We're in our series, our June last summer series, called Reengaging the Mission of Discipleship. How many of you have been praying with us for the last two weeks? Been working? What's happened in your life this week? What happened last week, Mom? Peace. Who else raised your hand? Come on. What happened? Said again. Said again. Oh. Anybody else? Been praying? Come on. Anybody else been praying? Mondays? Somebody else raised their hand. I saw that. I don't remember who did it. Every Monday, Josh. Trust. Trust in the marketplace. Trust. Discipleship has everything to do with your influence. The influence that is given from God to Jesus. Jesus now gives that influence to the twelve. Now most of the times when we hear Jesus saying to the twelve, will you follow me? This did not happen immediately. Disciples are never made overnight. Disciples are made through a process. When you do the study on that and you do the study of Jesus and his disciples, it was about a two to three year journey where Peter, Andrew, Philip, John, James, all of those guys, where they followed him from afar to see what he was doing. Hmm. And it was at a moment in their life where they felt a connection from afar. It was at that moment where Jesus now comes and he returns to where they are and he says, follow me. You can't follow anything that you have not been drawn to. Ooh. See, because we think that discipleship has everything to do with people just, somebody just come to you and say, follow me. No, 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 no. People follow you because they've been watching you. When I first started the Rock Church, I was very frustrated. And, and I remember my sister-in-law calling me one day and rebuking me and, and telling me, you need to go Facebook, you need to do these things. And I said, people are just not following. She said, Fred, they are following they're just watching. And then my brother would say, they're watching. Well, sometimes you get tired of people watching. You just want them to connect and follow. But everybody that's watching is not going to be your disciple. Everybody that's watching is not going to follow you the way that the disciples follow Jesus. Those that are watching you sometimes are just going to be your spectators. They're just going to see how long it's going to take for you to mess up. How long it's going to take for you to blow up. How long it's going to take for me to cheat on my girl. How, how long it's going to take for a scandal to happen. You, you know, people sit around and watch and wait on your demise. They watch for, 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 for many reasons. The, these disciples, they, they watched him for some years and they followed him followed him and Jesus knew that they were following him because he knows all things they followed him and and they were mesmerized they they were intrigued by his healings by the miracles signs and wonders 
that happened. They were intrigued. They, they, they wanted to know more. And because Jesus understood that they wanted to know more, he says, follow me. But just because you follow me doesn't mean that you've arrived. And so on last week, we talked about that today. I, I simply want to talk about the, the priorities of discipleship, the priorities. There are some priorities that Jesus set in place in his life to be a disciple of his father. It was his father who discipled him. How can we say this, pastor? Jesus says, I can only do what my father does. I can only say what I've heard him say. I only see what he's only seen. So everything that I'm doing in the earth, my father's already done it. Did you hear it? Jesus comes into the earth as a disciple, but in human form. Say human form. Human form. He, he, he was already in human form, and so he had to exemplify some priorities of discipleship. If you're going to disciple someone, you, the leader, the teacher, must have already went through the course of prioritizing what you want others to do as they follow you. Hmm, you got it? So when we look at this Luke 6 chapter, Luke 6 verse number 40, it says, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. I, wanna, I just want to just stop right there at the top. A pupil is not above his teacher. Disciples are never above the teacher. Who's the teacher? God is the first teacher. Jesus becomes the second teacher in the earth. And now his pupils become who? The 12. He chose 12. He could have chose 300. He chose a thousand, but he chose 12. It would be hard to manage a thousand. It would be hard to manage 3,000. He chose 12. When you look at the 12, it was full of tension in that group. They were not perfect. I want to give this to you in your learning. Never avoid tension because you don't want to deal with tension. Sometimes tension is great. They'll tell you we'll be in our meetings and I'll let the tension go. <laughs> and somebody got something to say and somebody got something to say and they come back at it. I sit there and I watch and I see how they deal with it. Why? Because it's personalities. And as you're learning to become a disciple and as you learn that when you begin to disciple people, you're going to have to disciple their tensions their anxieties, their issues. I could imagine Jesus going to sleep having to deal with Peter every day. Peter always has something to say. I, 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 could, I could imagine how Jesus had to deal with Thomas. He was a doubter. He just didn't believe. That's tension. But as you're discipling people, we have to arrive at some priorities when we think about it. Doing what needs to be done isn't good enough. 
Doing what needs to be done should be the first thing and the only thing you do all the time. If you're talking about priorities in your life, a priority is what? You hear that quote. It's something requiring or meriting attention prior to competing alternatives. Something that is most important. Something that takes first place and is of greater value than anything else. Hear it again. Doing what needs to be done isn't good enough. Doing what needs to be done should be done first should be the first thing and the only thing you do all the time. What are the priorities in your life? Think about it. Do you have priorities in your life or are you competing with alternative things in your life that distract you from doing what should be done all the time by making it first? The priorities of discipleship. When we think about things in life that, that we naturally prioritize, family, marriage, children, we prioritize our money, we prioritize relationships, our career, our health. What else do we prioritize? People. Things that do not matter. We prioritize things that waste our time. We prioritize things that, that, that waste our energy and, 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 and put on our mind. And at the end of the day, you're so beat up because you prioritize arguing with somebody who doesn't care about you being saved. Why are you arguing with them about Jesus? They don't care. Leave them to stand over there and let somebody else who's called to argue with them, to argue with them. But right now, that ain't my priority. My priority is not to sit here and baby you through this. My, my priority is not to sit here to go from one relationship to the next relationship. My, my, my priorities are not just here to just waste my time. Did you hear it? We prioritize wasting time. Jumping in and out of stuff that just don't mean nothing to us. You, what, what, what's your dream? You got a dream on Monday, and then you quit on Tuesday. You got another dream next month. Well, what about Wednesday? What about Thursday? You just didn't forgot about the rest of the weekend. Every time people hear you, you're just over here, you're over there, you're over there. What you focus on and prioritize will grow. What you don't focus on will die. It'll become a frustrated nightmare. Unfulfilled dreams become frustrated nightmares. Did you hear it? An unfulfilled dream that you should have prioritized or we should have prioritized will one day become a frustrated nightmare. Why are you so frustrated? Why are you so angry? Because what you've been called to do and what you should be prioritizing has now become a frustrating spirit to you. So now you're angry all day. Now you quit and you give up on God and you, you give up on things that you've naturally prioritized. 
the priorities of discipleship, when we look at Jesus, Jesus focused on four areas that he would prioritize his life in and that he would empower the disciples to do the same thing. And so as we re-engage this mission of discipleship, you're required to prioritize these areas. Number one, he was a student of God's Word. The Bible speaks to us that at an early age, Jesus was found teaching in the temple. His mother and his father would find him teaching and sitting at the feet of the teachers in the synagogues in the temple. We can see this, how Jesus uses the word to fight off the enemy when he goes into the wilderness and Satan says, turn the stones into bread. And, and, and he says it. He answers in Matthew 4 and 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God. He was a student of God's word. Jesus uses the word to instruct and empower in Matthew 28 and 20. He said, Go ye therefore. He empowers the word of God in the life of his disciples. But before he leaves, he says, Go ye therefore into all the world, baptizing and teaching all that I have commanded you. Prioritizing the word of God is something that you and I must do every day. How many of you read your daily devotional? Raise your hand. Come on. If you don't read it, raise your hand. Come on now. Raise your, I said raise your hand. Don't just sit there. I want to empower you today. If you, if you, if you forget, I'm going to say it like this. If you just forget to read your daily devotional, raise your hand. Raise it. I empower you to set your alarm on your phone. Matter of fact, pull out your cell phone. Mm -hmm. We're teaching today. And set an alarm on your phone. For whatever time you need it to be. Don't be talking about no 5 o'clock in the morning because you ain't up at 5 o'clock. Set it when you are up and settled. If you know you get up at 8 o'clock, set it around you know, let that be the alarm that wakes you up. And write in the notation, in caps, you better read your devotional today. Say it. You better read your devotional. And when your alarm goes off, it's going to say that in caps. Oh, I need to read my devotional. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you got to use a tool to remind you of what you need to do. And it's nothing wrong of See, the saints would say, shouldn't nobody be reminding you to read the Bible? Well, I have an issue with reading the Bible. Mother Agnes, I'm not there like you. I get up and I go to work. I have a busy schedule, Reverend Jesse. I'm not full-time pastoring like you, so I need a reminder. I'm the reality preacher. You need a reminder. You have a reminder for everything else. Remind yourself to pray. Remind yourself to read your Bible. To read it before you do anything. The priorities of discipleship. Jesus was, he was a student. Pastor, how do I become a student of the Bible? 
There was some time ago where I gave the church a, a homework assignment where we had to read the entire book of Mark. If you really want to know the ministry, I know my dad's sitting in the back. He's probably going to say, hey, boy, now, watch it. The book of Mark is a great book to read about Jesus' ministry. If you really want to begin to study the book and, and really begin to, to, to allow the Word of God to, to get in your life, read a psalm in the morning, a proverb at night. How do I study the Bible? It's not just reading through the Bible. Many people have read through the Bible and they don't even live the Bible. What is reading through the Bible and you ain't doing nothing with it? You just wasted your time. God is not sitting there saying, you got an A plus because you read the Bible all the way through 365 days. You read it. Rah, hurrah. Let's give him a medal. No. Did you use any of what you read to make a difference in the earth? Did you become a disciple after you read this Bible? Prioritizing our discipleship has everything to do with us studying the Word of God. Studying the Word of God. We all have some issues that cause us to be distracted at times. Number two, he was not only a student, but he was a student of obedience. At an early age, Jesus committed himself to obey his father. He teaches the values of obeying God. In Matthew 22 and 37, it says, Jesus replies, you shall. Moreover, the Lord your God shall be with you with all of your soul and all of your mind. God shall be with you. You got to know how to obey him. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. Did you hear that? John 4.15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. That's pretty difficult, isn't it? If you love me, then you'll obey my command. Obedience is not just obedience. Obedience is when you say, I'm going to do it. Obedience is not when you say, there's relative obedience and then there's obedience. Relative obedience is when you say, all right, God, if you just want me to do it, I'll do it. That's relative obedience. You just put a condition on how you're going to obey Okay, God, if you told me to do it, I mean, I really don't like that person and I really don't want to do it, but I guess I will because I don't want the lightning bolt to strike me down today. I don't want to bust hell wide open. I want to take my communion today. That's relative obedience. True obedience says, if it be your will, I will. That means that your yes outweighs the relative wisdom that you really want to say. I, I really don't want to do this. That's relative obedience. It's really fleecing God. Well, I'll do it just because you said that's not obedience. Obedience is doing it because I commanded you. And many of us struggle in that area because our mind begins to tell us, man, look, man, ain't nobody going to own me and I can do what I want to do and you ain't my secret judge and all of this. No, no, no. When God is commanding you to do 
something in your life is he's commanding you to step out and open the business and you say to God I just don't have enough and I'm going to wait a little while and I'm going to wait on but that's relative obedience relative obedience one day becomes rebellion rebellion one day becomes a form hear it a form of witchcraft Because when you start living in pure rebellion, you're in trouble. I didn't say sin, rebellion. Disobedience leads to rebellion. Look at the children of Israel. They got to a point where they started operating out of a rebellious spirit of witchcraft. And they start having different sorcerers. Look at Saul's life. He was so jacked up because he couldn't obey God and he walked into a rebellious spirit that he said, bring me the sorcerers to speak to me. So now you don't even want to hear God. You want to hear something else to validate where you are. Come on now, let's, I need you to stay with me. I'm, I need you to stay with me. Don't get offended and don't think I'm all out. When you look at disobedience, it leads to rebelliousness. The sin is disobedience. The transgression now becomes rebelliousness because now what's in you, you begin to outwardly do it in the face of God and now you bring a reproach against you and God. Woo. How many of us are sitting here in our giftings and our talents and you're sitting in rebellion because you won't do what God called you to do? You keep sitting on it. That's rebellion. That's disobedience. He got to the cross and he said, let it be your will. If the cup can pass, then let it pass. But uh, if it be your will, then I accept your will. That's unadulterated obedience. Obedience is the pure yes of your spirit. And Jesus gave us a pure yes of his spirit when he went to the cross. When he came into the earth, he said, I will do your will. I will only do what you tell me to do. He was a student of God's word, a student of obedience. Come on, lift your hands. Just lift your hands. Come on. Lift your hands. Tell your mind right now, it's a lie. Say it. Say it's a lie. Say, it's a lie. Don't allow your mind to dictate what you just heard to tell you something different. Your mind, the enemy of your mind is a lie. And it never wants you to be obedient or subject to the voice of God or to the grace of Jesus Christ in your life. Your mind wants you to deny Jesus. Your mind wants you to deny the word of God. Your mind wants you to be broke and bankrupt of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. And the moment that your mind is challenged to line up and to realign itself, it will fight with you just like it's doing right now. Lift your hands, come on. Follow me and say it's a lie. It's a lie, and I cast you down to the ground where you belong. My obedience doesn't always yield a blessing. My obedience just simply says, 
that I am totally committed to what Jesus has called me to do. Don't live out of obedience because I did it. God is going to bless you. No, no, no. Obedience yields blessings, but it doesn't always yield it the way that you want it to. Obedience keeps you out of trouble most of the time. That's the blessing of obedience. It keeps you out of trouble. Mm. The real grace of obedience, it protects you from all hurt, harm, and danger. Number three, he was a student of prayer. Jesus spent most of his time on earth in prayer. He teaches his disciples how to pray. Matthew 6, 6 and 7. But when you pray, when you pray, but when you pray, that means that you should be praying, but when you pray, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. A student of God's Word. I'm, I'm prioritizing my discipleship. I'm prioritizing my study. And through my study, I learn to be obedient. I learn to be obedient. And out of my obedience, I begin to pray the Word of God back into my life. And because I'm praying the Word of God consistently, Pray without ceasing. Ah, when you pray, don't pray out of ritualistic manners. When you pray, don't just rattle. But when you pray, go into your innermost closet and what the Lord sees you doing in private, He will reward you. That is where the reward comes. The reward comes after you pray. Yeah. Did you hear it? It didn't say after you obey. It didn't say after you study. The reward is that you studied. The reward is that you've been obedient. The reward is that you've been praying. He says it, Matthew 26, 40 and 41. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So could you not pray with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Prioritizing prayer in your life is going to cover you from all temptation. All. Somebody say all. That means that whatever you see, you've already been covered not to fall. The only way that you fall, I'm not even going to say you fall. My mom was teaching on yesterday. And she said, most of the stuff we're going through is planned sin. You plan to cheat on your girl. Back in the day, you plan to mess up your job. You plan to mess up them relationships. You plan to mess up your money. You plan to mess up your health. Pastor, can you give me an example? You, you, you plan to mess it up. Because you purposed in your mind not to do right when you knew to do right. That ain't falling. And we singing the song, we fall down, but we get up. No, you ain't falling, you still walking. You ain't down, you're still living in the sin. You happy about it. 
You're courageous about it. You're, you're more stronger in the sin than you are in your worship. You're so strong in the sin that you literally sit up and say, I can watch Stephen Furtick on YouTube and get saved. The devil is a lie. You ain't changed. You're putting out all this stuff on YouTube and putting out all of the good devotionals, but you still haven't become a disciple. You still haven't changed your conversation. But pastor, I'm falling and I can't get up. Get up. Anybody that falls know how to get up. It's common sense that when you fall, you get up. Am I right? It's common sense that when you fall off your bike, you get up and then you look down and be like, I scratched my knee. Really, do you just stay on the ground unless you just can't get up? But even when you get up, you still look at how you hurt yourself. But the church has handicapped us so bad. Oh, you've fallen into a mighty sin and you just can't get up. The devil is a lie. You standing right up in the middle of that sin and you keep on doing it every single day. Think about it. That's why you got to tell your mind it's a lie. That's a lie that I'm going to keep living like this. That's a lie that I'm going to keep allowing this to happen in my life. Talking to my single ladies, if you dating a guy, and you following after Pastor G, then you should want me to meet him. Then you should bring him to church and let the chief see him. You should bring him to church and let Nathan see him. You, you should bring him to church and let Michael and Ramon see him because we'll be able to tell you, baby, he about to jack you up. He's full of foolishness. I know him. I see him out at the club last night. He was with another chick. Ah, oh, you know, he really loved me. He don't love you. He just wants something. You just waiting on the right moment. Talking to my brothers. Bring that female so that Mother Powell can see her and say, baby, you might have a fight on your hands. She don't look saved right now. Well, you know, I'm gonna try to get her saved. How you gonna try to get somebody saved when you can't get your own self saved? Say it's all lies. Come on, say it's all lies. Don't y'all be sitting here acting like y'all don't have these conversations. I wish they would have talked like this in church. I wish they would have talked like this and not used the word, let's just have the birds and the bees. What is the birds and the bees? A bee is going to sting a bird. A bird is going to eat the bee. Where did it come from? Birds and bees don't hang out together. Think about it. They don't hang out together. They're two different creatures. Do you see how your mind lied to you? Come on, say it's all lies. It lied to you. You cannot save somebody when you yourself haven't been saved. You can't bring somebody else out when you yourself are still in. Come on now. You, you can't teach somebody something that you yourself haven't come out of. When people come to my wife and I and they say, we got cancer, oh, we got this thing, man, because we came out of it. <laughs> Woo! 
I got my car repossessed. I came out of that. Sometimes you got to tell people you're talking to the right person. Because I know what to tell you. But we want to talk to people who can't tell us nothing. You want to be friends with people who are going to elevate you in your foolishness instead of disowning you in your foolishness. Think about it. He said that if you're going to be my disciple, you got to learn the word. If you're going to follow me, you got to know how to be obedient. If you're going to follow me, you got to learn how to pray. And then he was a student of love. How can you say that you love me, but you don't love your brother or your sister? How do you say that you love everything about me and you hate your natural brother and your sister? Pastor, you just don't know. Love covers a multitude of sin. Because what you're hating is probably in you. Lift your hands. If we're going to prioritize this mission of discipleship, We've got to become a student of God's word as a church. We've got to become a student of prayer, student of obedience. And most of all, we've got to become students of love. Now, I want you to look at me real quick. Love is not putting up with somebody's foolishness. That's not love. Love is that you're able to always see beyond their fault. Love, because this new thing that we got, Jesus loves everybody. He loves everybody, but he hates what you're doing. I can love you and dislike your lifestyle. We get that confused in church. And that's why people YouTube the preachers and they put what we're saying. No, 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 no. Jesus loved the children of Israel. He loved them enough to put them in 70 years of bondage and he disliked it. When, when your parent chastises you, they love you so much that they don't want to see you grow up in a way, so they chastise you. Love doesn't make a list. It creates a river of protection. It creates a river where you're able to communicate love. I'm talking about real love. And guess what? We talked about that doing Easter. That love is something that you've already added up the consequence that more than likely you're not going to get it in return. Woo. He loved us so much that he died on the cross knowing that in 2019 Christians would sit here and still argue if God is really real. We would still debate if Jesus is really real. Gave his life and he loved us so much that we say that we're his disciples, but we can't love him, that we can't love one another. He says, But I say to you, as a new command, that you love one another even as I loved you, that you also love one another. Come on with the communion, elder. By this, all men will know, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I cannot be real disciples if we don't love one another. Lift your hands. 
and begin to look over your life in these four areas and see which one of the areas, it could be all four, and see which area you really need to prioritize. We should be doing all four of these all the time. First, I'm a student of the Word. First, I'm a student of obedience. First, I'm a student of prayer. First, I'm a student of love. I'm not just doing it to doing it. I'm doing it because it should be done first and only. It should be the only and first thing that I do all the time. I love people all the time. I'm in God's Word all the time. I'm praying to God all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm striving to be obedient every moment of my life. As we partake and break this bread on today, I want you to stand as a disciple today and as you remember the life of Jesus Christ, his body was broken for me. It was broken for you and I. His body was broken so that we might have life more abundantly. His body, the table, represents the meeting place. The, the table represents the altar of sacrifice. The, the table represents the supper. I take it today. I'm saying, Father, forgive me. Come on, stand on your feet. Ask the Lord to forgive you of all the areas that you've not prioritized in your life. Come on. Do it. Begin to ask the Lord to forgive you. His body was broken. Do this in remembrance of me often as you do in remembrance of me in remembrance of my blood that was shed a body that was beaten forgive me forgive us for not prioritizing anybody that desires to be saved today lift your hand I want to come to Jesus Christ today I want you to come and meet me at this altar right now you want to be saved today you want to give your life to Jesus Christ want Christ to come into your life? You want to prioritize your salvation over your tomorrow? You want to prioritize salvation? That if anything happens in your life, I've taken care of that. I know for surety, without a shadow of a doubt, that I will be with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That if you're doubting in your mind of where you will spend eternity, I want you to get to this altar right now. When I open my eyes, I am declaring and I put a demand on your spirit to be standing here right now, right now, right now. You're struggling right now, right now. Wherever you are, come right now. You're struggling with your salvation. I want you, when I open my eyes, I want to see you right here. Come. Come on, there's two of you. Come now, now. I speak to your mind right now, and I call the enemy of your mind a liar. You cannot make it on your own. You will not make it without Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ wants to be your Savior. He wants to pick you up out of that rut. He, he wants to make you new again. He wants to refresh you. He wants to manufacture you. He wants to send you back out so that you're able to be fishers of men. Come now. Now. Oh, bless you. 